Nick Moran cut his teeth sourcing and vetting promising technologies while working on mergers and acquisitions at Danaher Corporation. He also developed one of the most successful products in Danaher's history, an IoT solution with an innovative method for testing compounds in drinking water. Moran became a successful angel investor and venture capitalist with a little help from a popular VC podcast, The Full Ratchet, which he launched in 2014. It's good to talk to you, Nick. Thanks a lot for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. Tell me about Newstack Ventures. Well, Newstack is a venture capital firm based in Chicago. Uh, we invest at the early seed round, uh, and we often lead deals in the IoT segment. Um, so we're looking for compelling, interesting uh, technologies at the very earliest stages. Uh, we like to be the first check-in with founders. Um, and uh, we invest out of both a fund vehicle as well as an angel group. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. Do you have a particular uh, investment uh, thesis or philosophy that you follow? We do. So uh, the only hard guardrails um, for the firm are stage. Um, so we're very strict about the stage that we invest at. Um, we will not invest beyond the early seed round. Uh, we will not you know, enter uh, into an equity arrangement with a portfolio company uh, if it's beyond the seed stage, uh, which is uh, as you likely know, uh, the later stages are often Series A, Series B, Series C. Um, so we're very strict about stage. And then we also have this uh, horizontal focus on IoT, um, also known as the Internet of Things. Um, so really where sort of the hardware and, and software world meet, um, the physical, the intersection of the physical and the digital. Um, so those are often sensor-based technologies. They can be a combination of hardware and software. Um, but that's really my background and and the product that um, that I founded and released uh, many years ago was an IoT product. Um, so we're very comfortable in that segment. Well, how old is is Newstack Ventures? How long have you been doing that? Newstack uh, was founded three and a half, four years ago. Uh, so originally the firm was was really an angel group. Um, we started out as a collection of accredited investors that co-invested uh, in interesting early stage deals. Um, fortunately, we've been, we've been quite lucky, uh, in our, in our young, uh, young career as investors. Um, the portfolio companies have done really well and that enabled us to raise our first fund, uh, which was closed last year, uh, in 2018. Uh, so now we have both a fund vehicle and an angel group. Um, but the firm has been around for about three and a half, four years. So what motivated the transition from the angel group model to now this, uh, hybrid of both having the angel group uh, ongoing and having the fund? It's a good question. Um, you know, originally when I started the group, I thought that as long as we could move with the speed of a venture capitalist, that we would be as as competitive as a VC to get into uh, the best deals. Um, what I found over time is that there were two issues with the group-based model. Um, so number one, we, we can't move quite as fast as a VC. Um, when I make a decision on behalf of the group that we're, go we're going to invest, um, it still takes me about two weeks um, to reach out to all the investors in the group and um, get their responses on who's going to elect in, into the deal. Um, so two weeks isn't that long, but it's longer than you know if I'm speaking on behalf of the capital and can make a decision immediately. So that was one issue. The, the second issue with the group-based model is uh, the check size. Um, so 
you know, I would do diligence, uh, negotiate a deal, structure it, work with the founder, make a decision to invest. Uh, but all I can tell the founder is, you know, the check that we're going to cut is going to be between 100K and 500K. Um, I, w- I wasn't able to give them the exact amount uh, because it all depends on the interest level of the group members. Um, so that could be a challenge uh, from an al- allocation standpoint, not being able to give the exact dollar amount to a founder, um, you know, could create issues. And in some very rare cases, uh, we uh, were not able to get into really good deals because we couldn't move fast enough and because we couldn't uh, give them a firm uh, dollar amount. Um, so, yeah, the migration to the to the venture fund, now we're able to move very quickly. Uh, we know exactly what the check size is at the time that we commit. And in situations where we can negotiate for additional allocation, we can sidecar uh, with the angel group. Um, so it really works to our benefit uh, in both ways. You know, we can cut bigger checks because we have two pools of capital uh, to uh, to pull from. And uh, we can move at the speed of a venture firm because we do have a committed fund under management um, that we speak or that I speak for as as managing partner and general partner. That's tremendous. I really like that that model. Um, and everything you say makes makes a lot of a lot of sense. Uh, why do you uh, like to focus on that early stage? Is it just as a function of having come out of the angel mode or is there something else about being in that that particular uh, point in a in a venture uh, life cycle that you want to invest. There are a number of reasons why I like the early seed seed stage the best. Um, I think it's it's in two different for two different reasons we specialize in early seed. Um, number one because I think we're good at it, and number two because uh, it has the best return profile. Um, so if you look at each stage uh, in the venture capital process. Um, the pre-seed stage produces the, the largest returns. Uh, it's first money in. Um, the multiples are the best. So if you were to index, Sean, and invest in every venture-backed company at the early seed stage, your returns would outperform uh, the next guy or gal that invests in every deal at the Series A stage. Um, the returns are the best um, at the earliest stages, the multiples are the highest. Uh, the, the challenge is, you know, how do you get access uh, to all these deals? Um, there really is no way to index at any stage. Um, but knowing that the returns are, are the strongest for the earliest stages, if you can develop a way to, uh, to get a, a, a proprietary deal flow uh, at high volume and high quality, and develop, you know, a process for vetting that that deal flow and investing in the best opportunities. Um, you can you can succeed in in a significant way. Um, the challenge with early seed and the reason why a lot of investors start in the seed stage and then migrate their way over to Series A and Series B over time uh, is because it's hard to put money to work. Right, the the check sizes that I'm cutting are often between um, a minimum of two hundred thousand now and a maximum of about seven fifty. Um, so mm-hmm. the round sizes are often a million bucks, right? So if mm-hmm. I'm trying to put serious money to work, it's hard to do at the seed stage um, unless you have really high volume. Uh, if you really want right. to put money to work, you kind of have to move later and cut, you know, five to ten million dollar checks at A or B or or maybe even C, um, and then you can really build, you know, AUM assets under management. You can uh, hire a team. You can institutionalize. 
Um, so it's hard for the early seed firms like like our firm um, to survive, you know, when you have kind of a low AUM. Um, but we're we're very fortunate that we have we derive income and revenue from a variety of different sources. Uh, we also we run a podcast. Um, I launched the first venture capital podcast in May of 2014. And so um, fortunately, that subsidizes our, our operations in a significant way. Um, so we're able to have a team of seven, um, which is very rare for an early stage firm um, of, of our nature. So one, one major reason is because of the returns. And then the second major reason why we specialize in, in early seed uh, is because we think we have an edge there. Um, each stage is a completely different financial discipline. Uh, as you get later in the process towards Series B and Series C, it, you know the evaluation is much more of a private equity model, uh, much more uh, in the weeds on uh, the financials. Uh, where at the whereas at the early stages, uh, it's much more about uh, the team, uh, the quality of that talent, the mix of the talent. Uh, the domain expertise and the sort of the match between the talent and the problem they're going after, as well as the market potential. Um, so really, those are at a very high level. Those are the two things we're looking for. Uh, talent meets opportunity. Uh, is this a market that's very large, uh, growing fast, uh, interesting economics? And then is this a group of people that are uniquely positioned uh, to address the problem at hand? Um, so we think we're good at those things at the early stage and the, the, the vetting criteria changes significantly as you move stage to stage. So it's very hard in my estimation, it's very hard to be an elite practitioner if you're investing multi-stage. So you mentioned experience prior to Newstack uh, and technology and, uh, venture, uh, say a bit more about that. Uh, what, what was going on before you, uh, went down this path? So I finished up at Darden. I went to work for a company called Danaher. Uh, it's a science and technology conglomerate. Uh, for a number of years, I did M&A for them. Um, so I was chartered with, you know, finding early stage tech companies to buy. Um, so I, I owe a lot to Darden. I owe a lot to Danaher. Um, they really gave me the playbook on how to source and how to vet uh, early stage tech companies. Now, of course, my playbook has evolved significantly since then, but that was really my entree into uh, uh, investing in early stage tech companies. Um, after my M&A experience at Danaher, uh, Danaher decided they wanted to take a, a shot at organic innovation. Um, so they had done a lot of inorganic purchasing of other tech companies, uh, but they thought, you know, we can build some of this transformational technology in-house. And so we want to support and sponsor the best ideas uh, across the business. Uh, so me and a, a team of folks uh, went uh, to the executives with a pitch uh, for reinventing the water analytics process. Uh, we had a large business in, in the water analytics space. And fortunately, they, uh, they bought it and said, let's do it. We're going to invest some money. We're going to hire a team of scientists and engineers. And uh, Nick, you're going to run it. So... I spent about three years taking this concept from piece of paper to market. Uh, it's become, one, I guess, it's become one of the banner innovations for Danaher. Uh, it was a big success. Uh, we had a lot of good luck in that process. And so um, subsequently, that's when I went off on my own and, and began this, uh, this journey with Newstack. 
Um, and fortunately, you know, a lot of those Danaher executives, I'm, I'm very lucky that, you know, to call them limited partners in my fund. So, you know, I, I worked hard for that company for a number of years and, and, uh, you know, now those, those executives are supporting me and, in my entrepreneurial endeavor. What a great opportunity you had at Danaher that you've leveraged in so many interesting ways um, and to do what you're doing now. Uh, actually, you mentioned Darden, uh, so I do want to return to that since I'm sitting here right now uh, in Charlottesville. Um, but as you think back on your experience, uh, in what ways did it influence uh, or do you feel that it's influenced the path that uh, you've taken? It's hard to pick just one thing. That's gratifying to hear. So if uh, you were talking to a prospective applicant, someone considering an MBA, and maybe, uh, maybe Darden is in their selection set, and they're thinking about an entrepreneurial path, in fact, maybe they're already on one, um, what would you say to them, based on your experience and what you know about uh, what you can experience here at Darden, what would you say to them about whether or not uh, an MBA or a Darden MBA in particular ought to be part of what they're doing. Um, you know what, and I guess I'm getting at why. Why do you think it might make a difference for someone now, and what would you advise them to do? I I will say that Darden elevated my personal and professional uh, game, uh, for lack of a better word, in in many ways. Uh, it elevated sort of my strategic abilities. Uh, it gave me a lot of tactical uh, resources and uh, playbooks to, to leverage. Um, and in general, I think the thing that's undervalued most, uh, that's a very popular soundbite, but a lot of people don't respect the essence of it, is the network. Uh, we talk about networking and the importance of networking. But from my experience, a lot of folks in the business world are very transactional. Uh, in the way that they interact with other folks and and try and extract value from relationships. Uh, Darden, not only did I have an experience creating deep and meaningful and long-term valuable relationships at Darden, um, but I, I think it it changed my mindset and it, it helped me approach networking in a more authentic, uh, long-term uh, relationship-based way. Uh, so that served me really well. The, the relation, I, I have many limited partners in my fund that were classmates at Darden. I have many limited partners in my fund that were introduced to me by classmates from Darden uh, that were able to speak to, you know, my credibility and my follow through and my work ethic and, um, you know, our thesis at Newstack. Uh, so there's no question Newstack doesn't exist, at least in the way it does today. Uh, without my experience in Darden. So um, if I could go back and do it over again, you know, I'd, I would, uh, I would do it in a heartbeat. Darden was a, Darden was a very positive experience for me, both in the two years that I was in Charlottesville and certainly beyond. Everyone has different goals and everyone has different objectives. So, you know, I, I like to kind of start from first principles and and make sure that people's motivations are in the right place. Um, I don't think jumping into an MBA is, is the right decision for everybody. And I don't think it's the type of thing that everyone is going to thrive in. Uh, but there, there are a set of folks, uh, many of which were my classmates, uh, that were well, um, 
we're, we're a very good fit uh, for, for the business program. Um, and so I think if, you're, if your heart and your mind is in the right place, if you're looking for an educational journey, a network journey, um, you know, an opportunity to build your professional and your personal aptitude uh, and really kind of level up yourself and your career, uh, I can't, you know, I can't speak to the other MBA programs. I can only speak to the quality of my experience at Darden, which was best in class. Uh, as far as the entrepreneurial element, um, I didn't engage to a significant degree uh, with the resources available at Darden while I was there. Um, I have always been entrepreneurial minded. I have always had, you know, dreams of starting my own company, uh, but I did not have the, I did not have that business front of mind while I was uh, attending school at Darden. Um, you know, I, I had to go out into the world and get experience and, and learn a lot um, to stumble across uh, an opportunity and a problem that I saw in front of me that needed to be solved. Uh, and it happened to be in the funding space, in the venture funding space. Um, so I didn't make full use of the resources. But since I've left DART, uh, I've become quite connected uh, back with, with the Batten Institute um, and the Venture Lab and a number of the folks that have gone through there. Um, Jerry Nemerin, uh, is a good friend of mine from, from school. Uh, sure. and he's doing, you know, fantastic things with Lens Street. And that all began at Batten. Um, we've got a number of folks from our class that are in and around the tech scene or the, the, uh, the founder scene. And, uh, you know, a lot of those, the germs of those ideas either started at Darden or those companies were born, uh, as a part of Darden. So. Here again, I didn't have direct experience as an entrepreneur while going through the program, um, but all my exposure to to colleagues and friends uh, would indicate that uh, they had a, a very re- rewarding experience uh, at Darden and and wouldn't trade it. You mentioned your podcast earlier. Uh, it's called the Full Ratchet. Well, what does that mean, and what is it about? Well, the Full Ratchet is a uh, it's a it's a term that's used in in venture fun, financings and, and private equity. Uh, it's it's an anti dilution provision that it, it it probably wasn't the best choice for the podcast uh, in terms of a name, but it's it's quite catchy. And I crowdsourced the name amongst entrepreneurs; they voted for it, so uh, that's what we went with. Um, it, it happens to be a very investor friendly term. It's not a very founder friendly term. So, <laughs> so I've, I've had some fun conversations with a variety of folks about the name over the years. But, um, you know, it's become very well, well known, at least in my cottage industry, which is venture capital. Uh, we were the first podcast in the space. Uh, we were around for almost a good year before the copycats came around. I think now there's more than. 50 uh, venture capital focused podcasts. Um, but it's been a huge source of the value for our firm. Uh, I can't say enough about that. We found a medium early that nobody was exploiting. Uh, it was white space and it was a way to reach a network at scale. Um, so, you know, a lot of people are probably sick of hearing my voice after listening to, <laughs> listening to our show for the last five years. Um, but it's a really good way to kind of build relationships with people without having to have a phone call with each individual. Um, so that's, that's been the key to us building the largest angel group in the Midwest. Uh, I think our group is a little north of 450 folks now. Uh, those are the vast majority of those are people that listen to the show. 
And we would, That's- we'd say, hey, if you want to see our deals and if you want to participate in what we're doing, uh, go to the website and join the group. Um, and it's, you know, the key inventor, uh, which you probably know as, as you know, a practitioner and, and a stakeholder yourself is uh, deal flow. Deal flow is king in, in venture. The quality and the quantity you get uh, means everything for the firm. So the more you can build a brand, the more you can build a network, uh, the more you can have colleagues and, and friends in the industry that are sending you high quality deal flow, uh, the better you're going to do. Uh, we, we are in the rare position of uh, having, having too much deal flow. We can't quite get through it. Um, due to the reach of the podcast and, and the network that's been created from that. Um, I won't get into the numbers, but it's, it's substantial. So now the team's you know, challenge has shifted. Most venture firms are, how do we get more and how do we get higher quality? My team is, is focused on how do we get through it? Um, so we've got, I'm, I'm leaning on my Darden and, and Danaher education, so to speak, to uh, implement processes to filter that and get through it. But, uh, it's a good problem to have. The podcast is fullratchet.net. Uh, the, the venture firm is newstack.vc. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well. I'm at the full ratchet. What's next for you and what's next for Newstack? Well, I think now that we have a fund under management and I am a fiduciary, uh, you know, we need to further institutionalize and find the best deals and you know, execute the best uh, equity investments that we possibly can. So um, we're doubling down and we're focused on deal flow. Uh, fortunately, I don't I don't have to fundraise uh, for for the moment uh, because you know that was the last year of my life was focused on fundraising. Uh, so now it's it's really deal work. So we need to you know service these limited partners in the fund. Uh, we need to drive uh, outsized returns for them, and the way to do that is by identifying the best founders working working on the most. Uh, compelling issues. Um, so that's what we're focused on. I think in a couple of years, we'll be raising fund too, uh, and we'll further institutionalize. That'll be a 30 to $40 million fund. Uh, and we'll keep going from there. Uh, the, the goal here is not just to have another venture fund. The, the goal here is to be top decile. So in order to do that, we need to take you know the existing efforts to build our brand and build our deal flow and build our pipeline and make really good investments. And we, we need to step on the gas. So a lot of work in front of us. I love your ambition. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for uh, spending a little time with us today. I really have enjoyed the conversation. Pleasure to, to, to talk with you and feature you here. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for listening to Darden Founders Project, presented to you by Darden's Batten Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation. I'm your host, Sean Carr. For more information, come visit us at www.batteninstitute.org.